over these last few weeks, we've been on quite an interesting journey together, looking at kind of the importance of questioning and what we've been taught and told and inherited maybe in our belief systems. Um, and then trying to work out how do we compare that and how does that sit with maybe some of the things that we, I suppose, continue to experience about God in our, in our lives as we grow as individuals. Um, and even though that's unsettling, I hope that it's been an interesting process for us to go on. Because I really think moving forward, this is the kind of stuff that needs to really define us as a group of people, as people who are kind of passionately following God and, and continually growing and, and learning more about him. I want to today look at this whole idea of how we see God. And I don't know about you, for me, I think about my life and my experiences of uh, things that I've been taught or inherited, uh, perspectives that I've had. Um, and the, the views, I suppose, that have ended up being formed. Sometimes I can find that my view of God has been slightly confused by contrasting things, maybe, that, that I've learned or come up with from stories that I've read in the Bible or things that I've experienced myself. And I suppose for me, when I look at it, if I think about my own experience of who God is, the way he feels about me, uh, the connection that he wants to have with me and us. Um, sometimes that jars a little bit with maybe some of the Old Testament images of God. I've grappled with this kind of stuff for a while now as I've kind of listened to, uh, not only listened to stories of, of what kind of what the Old Testament talks about, but also listen sometimes to people's perspectives who have nothing to do with church when you tell them an old story, how they, um, I suppose, initially react to that, what their kind of hang-ups or barriers or, or concerns are about the, the, the story that we're presenting. And actually, it's been a really important part of the process for me to actually stop and remove myself from, from my kind of uh, historical understanding of who God is and my, my upbringing to sit in the shoes of someone who doesn't believe all of this stuff and to look at some of these things on face value. Um, and actually, when we do that, some of the Old Testament stories and some of the views that we get from that stuff is pretty um, intense and is pretty barbaric. Um, and I suppose at some points you could even describe the image of God in, in some of those Old Testament stories and times as, as sometimes being a bit distant from humans, from relationship and all those kind of things. We looked at this uh, topic a few years ago, well, I think it was one Father's Day, maybe th two years ago, something like that. And we talked about the way people view God in different ways. Um, and I described that one of the common uh, ways people look at God is he's almost like this disappointed headmaster. That's the kind of role that he can end up playing in our lives, that, that he's there as an authority figure who's there to, um, to give the rules and to give you guidance, um, that he will celebrate when you do the rules well, um, but ultimately you'll probably just be living in this place where you think you're probably just disappointing him if you're not doing as well as you could do. And, and actually, do you know what? Having grown up in church, I think it's really easy to fall into that trap of viewing God like that and having that as your default position, that, that if I just did more, God would like me a bit more. And I hope that over the last couple of years, we've smashed that image of God apart in the fact that we know 
wholeheartedly that God loves us, regardless of um, how often we pray or how much we read the Bible. His love remains the same. We grow and we benefit and we develop when we do those positive disciplines, but he doesn't change. And that's the great truth and the important perspective we need to have of who God is. When we uh, read the Old Testament, though, when we look at some of those stories, we can jump into different perspectives of God. Because we want to kind of honour what the Bible says and, and kind of uh, not disregard um, the Old Testament stuff, the pre-Jesus stuff, we kind of take it as stories and we, we try and kind of adopt that for now. Um, and what we often get in those, those Old Testament stories is the warrior image of God, this kind of supreme being, the God who would destroy our enemies and wipe out people if he didn't like who they were or what they were doing. And the problem with that image is it makes sense when you look at various stories to do with the Israelites and God's chosen people and all those kind of things. We, can, we, we were brought upon those stories, some of us. Um, but when we then try and contrast that to who we describe God to be now, it doesn't always fit that well. It seems pretty difficult to come to terms with when at the same time we're presenting God as this loving father. It, it becomes quite hard. I think one of the things that I did when I was grappling with this stuff is I tried to understand what was going on in the time. And, and how people of that day in ancient times would view not just God but would view gods, okay? What was their perspective of the gods, okay? Because they didn't just, not everyone believed in God. They had lots of gods that they uh, would, would serve and try and keep happy. And I think when we begin to understand that kind of stuff, the way people would relate to a supreme being or a god would be that they were, um, they were people that you wanted to keep on your side, that when the gods were happy, life would go well for you. But when the gods weren't happy with who you were or what you were doing, they would show it in various ways, whether that was suffering or, or punishment or you, you losing wars, all those kind of things. So if you imagine that the people who were in that time who wrote these stories, who talked about what had happened in their lives, that was who they believed a God to be. So our God becomes kind of explained and communicated in that way that everyone saw gods uh, in that time. Um, so that's why he becomes this uh, warrior um, who is uh, wiping out people and doing all this stuff because that's what they believed gods would do for them if he was on their side. And it's important to remember that these stories were written in that culture, written in that time. And their view of God was very different from this father type relationship that we often talk about. And as, as just said, your, your aim in life was to keep the gods happy. When things went wrong, the gods were angry. That was the way it just worked. And, and for people living in that time, the world was different, life was different, their understanding of humanity was different. They probably didn't have the same obsession with protecting and preserving life that we do. They would want life to go on, but the reality is unexpected and unexplained death was probably fairly common. People would die of diseases that were completely undiagnosed. Um, it would have been fairly common for people to die in things like childbirth or in infancy because of complications that they had no idea of what was going on. 
So that kind of stuff completely shapes your view of life, of, of um, how life works and what's going on in the world. Whereas now we've learnt a lot about medicine, about science, about humans, um, all those kind of things have, have given us the opportunity to learn from those things and then reshape a culture around that kind of stuff. So now we do know kind of uh, tricks and uh, advice and, and positive things to be able to sustain and prolong life. We've got medicines that have been developed through um, genius kind of um, science uh, that's enabled people to develop stuff that helps people live longer. Um, and when you look at all that kind of stuff, we realise that life must have been completely different. And I suppose if we pull all of those things together, people's view of God, but also their understanding of the reality of life, and also their understanding of people and how everything worked, it, it begins to really show us, I suppose, why people spoke differently about God or looked at the world differently uh, and felt different about stuff. So all of those elements kind of add up to this sense of there being an entirely different human understanding of life and God. And the result is often what we see in the image of God that is presented. The difficulty we have is we jump around the Bible, reading Old Testament stories, reading New Testament stories, looking at the difference that Jesus made and, and the kind of change in perspective that he brought. But also then jumping back into Old Testament stories, going, what can we learn from this? Now, we've said it before, the Bible is, is absolutely gold because what it is, is it's, is it's images of, uh, I suppose it's, it's capturing moments in time when people were pursuing God and trying to connect with him in their own culture, in their own kind of reality, the, the world at their time, in their, their particular way of understanding things, viewing things, we can learn so much from that. But when we don't acknowledge that bit, that life was different then, and we just try and take it as though understand it in our kind of human understanding now, the difficulty we have is we end up jumping between this, this kind of hybrid version of who we know God to be and the image of him that we have from those stories. And that's where the, the kind of confusion comes because we can't really understand that if God's never changing, how could he be like that then but different now? I want to read a little extract from a book that I've uh, been reading. It's called The Great Spiritual Migration, um, and it's by a guy called Brian McLaren. It's a brilliant book. I'm thinking, actually, I'm wondering about whether to do a little book club with anyone who's interested and reread back through it, because there's little discussion points at the end of every chapter. But if this kind of stuff intrigues you, then get in touch, because I quite like to be able to take us on a bit of a journey where we go through this stuff and, and discuss it together. But this is what he says in his book. Uh, it says, for centuries, Christians have presented God as a supreme being who showers blessings upon insiders who share beliefs, uh, share certain beliefs and proper institutional affiliation, but who punishes outsiders with eternal conscious torment. Yet Jesus revealed God as the one who eats with sinners, welcomes outsiders in and forgives even while being rejected, tortured and killed. Jesus associated God more with gracious parental tenderness than strict authoritarian toughness. He preached that God was to be found in self-giving service rather than self-asserting domination. What would it mean for Christians to let Jesus and his message lead them to a new vision of God? 
What would it mean for Christians to understand, experience and embody God as the loving, healing, reconciling spirit in whom all creatures live, move and have their being? And I suppose that, for me, is the point of change. Jesus comes into the world and is a complete game changer. Everything changes in that moment because Jesus um, gives us this new perspective of who God is. And, and I suppose once he arrived and once he started kind of showing us how uh, life could be lived, he gives us this insight into who God is and what he's all about. And that image really does clash with so much of what we presented in that kind of supreme being, barbaric kind of image of, of a, a traditional God um, that we see sometimes in those Old Testament stories. Uh, if we read in Matthew uh, 5, uh, 17 to 18, uh, it says this, um, and it's, um, it's Jesus talking, it says, don't suppose for a minute, I'm reading this in the message, don't suppose for a minute that I have come to demolish the scriptures, either God's law or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish, but complete, but to complete. I'm going to pull it all together, pull it all together in a vast panorama. God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. Long after stars burn out and earth wears out and the earth wears out, God's law will be alive and working. And I think that's the thing we've got to understand. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, he came to complete it. And the way I like to look at it is, is his, his purpose on earth was really to, to provide us with a lens that enabled us to suddenly see clearly what God was all about, what that law was really all about. And I think what we see in Jesus is, is it was never about um, kind of destroying people or, or dominance or, or those kind of things, this, these kind of supreme being warrior characteristics. Instead, it becomes about love and compassion and, and kindness, um, all those kind of things. And, and I love that, that, that Jesus says it clearly. In the way that I live my life, I'm showing you what is important to God. I'm showing you how God um, wants us to function. I'm giving you uh, a mirror to see who God is and what he's all about. And I love that. Ultimately, we see that through Jesus' life, God is love. And it's so clear in the way, um, in the way he works. It's glaringly obvious from Jesus' life. And the way he did stuff is what, um, what was important to God. It's not institutions or hierarchy, empires, status, wealth or dominance. Jesus was the image of love, compassion, kindness, understanding, completely non-violent uh, in his approach to, to confrontation, to, to um, uh, temptation, all those kind of things. I think it's worth acknowledging, though, if we were to adopt that kind of supreme being, uh, warrior kind of image of God from the Old Testament and try and transport that into the here and now, I suppose even if we look at it in Jesus' time and say, okay, well, that's who we're going to imagine God to be, then actually the, the events of Jesus' crucifixion would probably have played out very differently if that's the character uh, that God wanted to be seen as. Because if he was this supreme being, then surely at the 11th hour, as Jesus was about to be killed on the cross, what we would have actually seen 
is Jesus rising up and destroying all those people who were trying to harm him in that moment and wiping them out because they were trying to kill the Son of God. That would go more in line with the supreme being warrior kind of image, wouldn't it? But instead, what we see is this. Jesus in that moment of torture, rejection, and ultimately what would become his moment to die, says this, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That is the lasting image that we need to remember about the life of Jesus, that in that moment, as they tried to do what would probably be described as the, the most criminal thing you could ever do to God, kill his son, he chose to, to pray to God and say, Father, forgive them for they, don't, for they don't know what they're doing. And that is the image that we get of God in that moment. That even, even whilst they're doing the worst thing they could ever do, Jesus asks God to forgive them. Non-violent, loving, caring, compassionate, giving everyone that chance uh, that sometimes it feels like people don't even deserve. He shows us in that moment, this is what it's all about. On, uh, on the back of um, that book, Great Spiritual Migration, uh, it says this is a bit of a summary, really, to some of the stuff we're talking about. It says this, believers are increasingly rejecting the image of God as, as a supreme being and embracing the image of God as a renewing spirit at work in our world for the common good. And that, for me, is the message of hope that we can truly get behind. That it's not about um, this supreme being. It's about a God who connects with all and wants um, all to be better and renewed um, for the greater and common good. And I suppose the challenge for us is let's not get caught up in the confusion between maybe um, some of the older images of God that we had. But, but remember the lens that Jesus gives us and um, be keen and, and quick to view God through that lens of Jesus. And uh, I suppose uh, allow that to really impact how we move forward in the way that we do our lives and the way that we connect with other people. It can be a challenge at times, but I think that's what Jesus does. He changes the game and shows us this new image that I think we can really truly get behind. Let's pray. Father God, Thank you um, for Jesus, that when he came to this earth, he showed us um, a, a real kind of clear image of what you were all about. And God, I pray as we go through life and try and work out how should we respond in different situations? What should we do? Um, how, how do we best represent you? God, I pray that we would just be reminded of who Jesus was, what he did, um, and how he would often... Um, just really surprise everyone with his approach and way of doing things. God, help us to be people who do that too, uh, that really reach down and, and uh, make a difference to people's lives uh, in, in really kind of godly and dynamic ways. God, I pray you'd really inspire us now. Amen. So thank you for listening. I uh, hope this stuff's making sense. Um, and uh, we are uh, celebrating our third birthday as a church next week. Um, so hopefully we'll um, have some kind of encouraging, inspiring stuff to share then. So have a brilliant week and we'll see you next Sunday. Take care.